0: Ariel, listen to me. The human world, it's a mess. Life under the sea is better than anything they got up there. everybody, this is Gabe Lesra, and let's fix football. Welcome to the new show. Uh, it's a project that we've been thinking about for a fucking long time. I am joined uh, by my colleague and good friend, Evan Mateer. Evan, Evan Matier, what are you drinking, my guy? Uh, so I am drinking
1: a Shiner Bock, um, being as how I, I just moved to Texas. Okay, so Texas beer. Texas beer. It's, it's not bad. Um, it, it's even pretty good and cheap. So I'm drinking Shiner tonight. Fucking even,
0: even pretty good. What am I drinking? I am drinking a fucking bottle of wine uh, called Bodega La Flor. It's a Malbec that I bought for fucking $9, which is actually pretty damn good for D.C. So I'm drinking okay. a $9 bottle of wine. And ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Let's Fix Football. Obviously, uh, I'm Gabe Lesra. I am the Founder uh, and editor-in-chief emeritus of ManagingMadrid.com. I am a vehement Real Madrid fan. uh, And uh, I am psyched to do this podcast because in this podcast, I'm going to get to talk about a lot of other stuff that's not just Real Madrid, including the EPL, including France, including all of Europe, but also, and arguably more important than any of that shit, Evan, we're going to talk about MLS. We're trying to get into MLS. So... Yeah, yeah. This is Evan Mateer. Evan, why don't you tell the uh, wonderful people about yourself a little bit?
1: Yeah, so uh, you know, I, I just moved to Laredo, Texas. I'm a uh, kind of a long term Tottenham Hotspur fan um, because I don't like nice things, and you know, <laughs> but I do like heartbreak, um, disappointment, frustration, those various emotions. Um, Always important. And so, so I kind of just hopped on that train. Um, in MLS, I've become an Orlando City fan, but I've. Uh, you know, not been quite as committed or attentive an Orlando City fan as I should be. Um, so Correct. hopefully this project will keep me a little more focused. A little, and little more focused. To, uh, kind of the growing American soccer uh, world
0: focused or like involved in, in any, in any respect at all whatsoever for me. I mean, generally here's the thing, everybody. I was thinking about, I've been planning on being a fucking MLS fan for a long time because my whole life, I grew up in this country, you know, shuttling between this country and Spain. Um, my father's from Madrid, my whole family's from Madrid. I'm half Madrileno and half American. but I've always wanted everybody in America to like this sport. And uh, they finally have this this league that a ton of people are really into. Uh, and as a New Yorker, um, I was faced with the choice of uh, two fucking teams. One of them was named after a fucking energy drink. So there's no goddamn way I was going to be a Red Bulls fan. I mean, they're, the Red Bulls, are you kidding me? And then the other team was a fucking... I was going to be... I was all in for NYCFC. They even got my man, David Villa. And then I realized, and by realized, I mean I fucking watched the way they handled the whole Frank Lampard thing. That so They're just a fucking Manchester City subsidiary B team. So they're basically just watching Manchester City's, like, academy side play against a team named after a fucking energy drink, and I just kind of turned my brain off. So I guess, Evan, now... Marginally, I'm a I'm a DC United fan, and I I don't know anything about that. I think they're bad, though. That's that's
1: all I really know about DC United. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. Um, And you know, it's it's you know a shame that you can't be a Red Bulls or NYCFC fan because I I think they're decent this year. Um, In fact, I think NYCFC is pretty good. Look, um. NYCFC
0: is so fucking good that David Villa actually
1: got called up to
0: the Spanish national team, which is actually the biggest news of the week in Spain. So the way our structure of this show is going to go basically is we're going to go through kind of the big storylines around Europe this week. Then we're going to talk a little bit about whatever MLS game Evan and I decided to watch this week. Evan and I both watched the Portland Timbers play the Seattle Sounders in what is without a doubt the largest rivalry in the MLS. Or sorry, not the and again. It's not fucking the MLS, Evan. It's yeah, you're right. It's MLS. Just MLS. So I got to remember that because it keeps saying the MLS, but it's not. It's MLS. So it's the biggest rivalry in MLS. Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit. Then we're going to do our staged readings of the fucking worst takes. From uh, the week in soccer journalism, I think we've got some really, really strong shit today. And then at the very end, if we have any questions or we have any comments, we're going we're gonna to take your questions. But generally, that's the structure of the show. Uh, obviously, this is our first episode, so it's uh, definitely up for debate and up for change. But So, Evan, the big stories rattling around in Europe this week. Let's start in the EPL. Uh, and I think it's already time to start engraving Manchester United name um, on the fucking
1: trophy, right? Um, I mean, that's what I heard. So I was reading a lot of ESPN FC mm-hmm. articles um, this past weekend. And my, my understanding is that, that they've actually already sent the trophy uh, to Old Trafford. That is right. there, it's done, um, because it, it turns out that if you win three matches to start the premier league season you've already won you've That's won what the- i've
0: heard um, well that was my understanding as well
1: remember. um but you know and, and that makes sense since they signed you know uh messi and ronaldo they, they didn't yeah. do anything no and they
0: uh have beaten some pretty mid-level teams so far i mean west ham might be in the top 10 this year yeah, and then you know,
1: Swansea will be re- relegated. So, no, I mean, hang on, that's yeah. not fair. Swansea might not be relegated. These are two important sides. <laughs> might, you're right. They the Swansea might be 16th.
0: Right now, uh, the other thing that's interesting, though, Evan, because on the same website that um, I also follow for some of my English co- uh, coverage, ESPN FC, we're really the, we're really shilling for ESPN FC. But the truth is, they have a bunch of garbage shit on their site generally, and then some. You know, some really good writers are there as well. So I, I really don't know. I feel very bipolar about ESPN FC. But guess what? ESPN FC also told me, Evan, to be very scared of Liverpool. Evan, are you scared of Liverpool?
1: I am not scared of Liverpool. Um, I'm not. I'm not sure why I'm supposed to be scared of Liverpool. They beat a really bad Arsenal side. Um, so I guess the Arsenal defense should be scared of Liverpool. I think that's fair, um, and they probably are going to have nightmares for a while while about about that game. Um, but like Liverpool is still kind of, I don't know, they're fine. They're they're fine. They're it's fine. A, it's kind of scary. Will like, they
0: be as fine when Barcelona swoops in to steal Philippe Coutinho
1: from them? Um, I mean, so I don't really think that highly of Coutinho generally. So, you know, I maybe Liverpool will be not much worse without him. I don't know. I I'm not really buying. So ESPN's kind of been slurping Liverpool ever since uh, Jurgen Klopp showed up. Yeah, and now that they you know smacked down a really bad Arsenal side, I think ESPN feels uh you know justified in in playing them up. And uh, whoever wrote a headline. They needed a you know framework for that, and them being scary. Yeah. Um, apparently, that's what they went with. Well, I got to
0: tell you, it's interesting. It's, it's it feels like some of these media outlets have a vested interest in these old powers kind of regaining their continental glory. And I mean, look, Real Madrid played Manchester United in the European Super Cup. At no point at all, all during that match did any Real Madrid fan, did anyone, any fucking neutral watching that match even consider for a second right, that Actually, this game was in any doubt for Real Madrid. Okay, so the question of you know, I and because that's really where we are. The question is really whether these sides are going to be competitive continentally, and I just don't see it. I actually think it's more fucking likely that Liverpool is more, is, is competitive continentally because I actually think that Klopp is a really good manager, and ESPN is right to give them their you know the Liverpool dick a little bit of a swirl in their mouth. Like it, they they're yeah, they're an exciting side to watch. Uh, and especially now that Liverpool has made a very interesting signing, one that I was interested in as a Real Madrid fan, uh, just the precedent that it set. Right today, they announced the signing of this guy from from Red Bull Leipzig, uh, mm-hmm. but not for this year. So for yeah. next year, yeah. It's a very it's a fascinating signing, a delayed signing, but yeah. it's and and there's a lot of risk to it. But it's also, I think, one of the moves that we will see as this market kind of explodes and we all kind of see financial fair play as the fucking farce lie that it, it, that it is, that teams will start using this kind of delayed contract or delayed uh, acquisition as a way to, <laughs> to bring down the price a little bit. Uh, yeah. It's a good buy by Liverpool, even if it's not going to immediately help the team this season. No,
1: I mean, look, Liverpool's problem... Uh, in, in past years, hasn't been being able to score, and they—that's what they did against Arsenal. They scored like crazy, and they—they they do have a really that's deadly attack um, You know, their problem has been their the pressing that Klopp wants to run not really coming together and not being as consistent as it should be, and them leaking goals at the back. Right, and you know they've got—they're going to have to fix that. Like Arsenal is in disarray, and you know a, bl- a clean sheet against them. Uh, I don't know that that's a huge deal. They're going to have to keep clean sheets against Tottenham and, and United and, and City um, in order to, to, you know, win the league and finish right. top four and, and everything else. So we'll see if they do that. Um, I just think that, you know, yeah, there's, there's headline space to fill and teams that have big wins early in the season. You're going to write articles like this. Um, but it's, it's just a big overreaction right now. Um, let's wait until every, let's wait until the big sides play each other before we start deciding who's going to you know win titles.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I mean, look. Let's be clear. Nabi Keita at uh, uh, Red Bull Leipzig is a hugely good signing. Uh, He's 22 years old. Very exciting. Lots of, um, you know, lots of lots of down the line talent. And and Liverpool very smart to grab him, especially considering that it's not clear they're going to be able to keep Coutinho. And you know, regardless of how how you rate Coutinho, I also don't rate him that highly. And I got to tell you, Evan, us not rating you know a player highly is exactly. You know, if if the I feel like if the fucking Barcelona board is listening to us, like oh they don't like that guy, let's go get him. It's like we're yeah. talking about Paulinho. It's like fucking Paulinho is so such a goddamn he's so You're fucking like, bad, uh, it's so bad. And, it's, and we're like oh fucking let's yeah. just drop forty million on him. Oh, but yeah, oh, this like, is uh, amazing. I can't believe it. So uh, we're still in England though. Let's talk a little bit about the team that Liverpool beat. Man, man,
1: fucking Arsenal looked terrible in that match. They are they are really bad. Um, they. clearly didn't do what they needed to do this summer to to get that team put back together. Like they signed Lacazette, um, who started that match on the bench, even though he looked pretty good (laughs) in previous matches. Uh, they haven't sold any of the umpteen number of starlets who will never be good football players. Um, they, Arsene Wenger hasn't changed a thing, uh, from the team that was bad last year. Um, I mean, I love it all. It's fantastic. I was rooting so hard for Arsene Wenger to come back because I wanted to see this. This is what I wanted. Right. This is beautiful.
0: And Arsene Wenger is, you know, yeah. I, I think I, arguably the most overrated coach in the history of this fucking sport. Like, here's my qu- Gabe, here's my question for you about Wenger. Does
1: he last till November?
0: No, I mean, I, I just... I can't imagine him lasting until November. But the truth is, Evan, I couldn't imagine him lasting fucking through all of last season given how fucking garbage the that, that Arsenal was. And what the only thing that saved them is winning some you know, garbage tournament against Chelsea and it the, 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 the was fucking throwaway shit. And now... Uh, it looks like they're about to sell Oxlade-Chamberlain at Chelsea. Not that that dude's any good, but it's already depleting a shitty team. So like what the fu- <laughs> like what the fuck is wrong with these guys? Like you've got to get rid of this shitty coach, unbelievably shitty coach, highly overrated whose fucking transfer philosophy is fucking 10 years behind the modern game. Get Wenger out if this team is going to be any good and what or at the very least fucking Remove that dude's authority to have any relationship with the movement of players because holy shit, if you look at – like this is a fucking disaster of a club. Like they – if, if this were American sports, I would say fucking fire Wenger and fucking tank because that's the only way. But they need to fucking top to bottom rebuild and they need to do it as soon as
1: possible. And it, <laughs> in, a, in a week, we might be talking about a world where Wenger is still at Arsenal and Alexis Sanchez is gone. And that's. Dude, inc- can you imagine
0: how fucking bad that team is going to be without Alexis Sanchez? Like, it's, it's, he's the only reason
1: that team is any good at all. It's going to be catastrophic and it's going to be fantastic. I mean, they, I, I really think they could finish sixth this year.
0: So, Evan, you also have noted on our, our episode outline Spurs playing 39 away games. Like, I actually mentioned that when. Uh, Madrid, when we were talking about uh, Madrid's draw on the Managing Madrid podcast, I, I mentioned that, well, actually, uh, Spurs do, isn't playing at White Hart Lane. They're playing at Wembley this season. And I actually got a comment like, well, actually, Spurs love playing at Wembley. The energy is huge, blah, blah, blah. And to me, that seemed fucking insane. Uh, I, I, I don't know, man. What do you think? I mean, it's... Is this so, is this a kind of transitional year for Spurs or, or do they really still have
1: a home stadium? I mean, so, you know, I this is one area where I kind of go with the media narrative. And I I know a lot of Spurs fans are pushing back against the Wembley curse narrative. And I agree. It's not a curse. It's not a curse, um, it's, it's just that Spurs have played like shit at Wembley. And until they and, and, I, and I and I might get pushed back on that. They have played <laughs> well to the eye. Right? They played some okay football at Wembley, but they haven't fucking won games. And until you win games at Wembley, no one's going to believe that you can win games at Wembley. Right? The results speak for themselves. We have one win in what, like 12 matches at Wembley, and we had. We, we only gave up. We only dropped, what, five points last year yeah. at White Hart Lane. So until those records come together a little bit, it is perfectly fucking fair to criticize Spurs yeah. playing Wembley and to question whether or not there's a problem. Yeah. I don't know what the problem is. I don't know if it's bigger, less less energy. The pitch is bigger. I don't know. I don't care what it is. What I care about is the fact that they just shat away a win, that they lost a game they could have won against Chelsea, that they shot out of the Champions League last year and that Wembley has been bad for Spurs. And, And so just win a fucking game and then we can all shut up about whether or not they can win at Wembley.
0: It's not a curse, but you're totally right about everything else. I mean, it's also not White Hart Lane, right? It's not. It's just not. It's not. There's different pitch demand. People forget that there's no single regulation size pitch in all of football. Yeah. So you have wildly different sizes of pitch. For example, Barcelona's new Camp is extremely wide and not that long, whereas Real Madrid's uh, Bernabeu is actually pretty wide but much longer. It's, it supports more yeah. of a vertical attacking play, whereas the new Camp is, is literally const- Constructed to to fit Barcelona's style of play. And there's another, there's a classic example, is is this team that's now in in Spanish Segunda División, but that that was in Primera for a long time and had this incredible defensive record at home. Well, the reason was because they had the smallest fucking pitch in the entire entire country. It was literally the the, the width of the pitch was literally at the guidelines. So what FIFA does is is promulgates guidelines to say your pitch has to be between these sizes. Well, this pitch was a smallest pitch in the entire in the entire country and what they would do is they'd pack 10 men behind the balls because it, when you're doing park the bus situation in in a pitch that's that small it's really fucking hard to score on you uh, so it's a different pitch that people – people are forgetting that, that the literal yeah. dimensions of Wembley are going to be different than White Hart Lane. And,
1: and, and so Wembley is bigger than White Hart Lane. I think it might be five yards longer, something like that. It's a huge and, difference. And, and so and, – and this is actually really impactful on Spurs' high-pressing game, right? Our entire – both our offense and defense really – Relies on the press, right? We rely on winning the ball back quickly and 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 attacking very quickly and cutting off space. And if people are going to beat the press, they usually beat it over the top um, with runs in behind. It's a lot easier to do that in a longer pitch a lot easier. And so that's, and now, you know, they've had an off season to plan for this. And I expect that a professional football team can plan for that. Um, But I also understand that it might take some real match time to, to get that. Yeah. Um, And, and that's fine. I don't think we should overreact and say Spurs are going to, finish mid-table because they're playing a Wembley. They're going to get it together, um, but it'd be really good if they got it together sooner rather than later.
0: Right. All right, let's jump in and uh, talk a little bit about Spain. I think the other there are two other main storylines of the week. Um, Real Madrid dropping points at home against Valencia as uh, the Bernabeu boos Karim Benzema and G- Gareth Bale. Uh, and... Uh, do-bop, 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 do-bop. Uh, so, Mbappe... He is being signed by uh, PSG on a uh, season-long loan, and all that fucking tells us is that financial fair play is an absolute joke, and I gotta tell you, Evan, all that makes me want to do is celebrate, because fuck FIFA. Their entire rules, uh, their entire conduct is a joke, and I'm glad that PSG is just fucking pissing on... Their stupid ass, fake ass rule book and making them look like fools. I'm, I'm happy about that. But let's talk what? about La Liga first. Yeah. Um, so in Madrid's game against Valencia, uh, it was pretty apparent that the Bernabeu seems to have turned on Gareth Bale. I think that that's because they've been egged on by what I can only describe as a fucking disastrous and embarrassing xenophobic Spanish press who have basically decided that Gareth Bale is the guy that they want to force out to let Asensio get a starting place in the lineup, even though it could easily be Karim Benzema or it could be literally anyone else. But for some reason it's Gareth Bale, and basically the reason is this— Apparently, they have a huge problem with the fact that Gareth Bale hasn't really learned Spanish yet. That's it. (laughs) They're pieces of shit. I fucking hate these guys so much. We've been saying this for such a long time. They love to create narratives of the Spanish versus the foreign and about how the foreign players don't really get it and about how they don't really get how real Madrid players play football. It's such a fucking disgusting joke.
1: One of the most shocking things I read this week was a, a, a quote, I guess, and I'm going to paraphrase, but it was from a Spanish commentator who said that Gareth Bale needed to leave, and after he was gone, they should say say thank you to him. But make sure they say thank you in English. That way he understands Fuck it. that. Fuck these people. I just – I can't fucking stand this shit. The now, way the, these – People talk about it's just so
0: fucking blatantly xenophobic and and disgusting. Like, at least Gareth Bale's not black because these guys would fucking dress up in blackface just to boo him. they fucking pieces of shit, man.
1: And look, there's things you can criticize about Gareth Bale's time in Spain. Now, we both agree that Gareth Bale is a really good player who should not be sold. I think we're both on the same page with that. But you can have a legitimate conversation about the fact he's been injured. Uh, you can have a legitimate conversation about how he can become a passenger in certain games. Yep. Like I think these are fair criticisms yeah. of Gareth yeah. Bale, and you can you know so you could say on the merits maybe you you could make an argument that Asensio starts ahead of him and Gareth drops to second choice. F- fine, fair. But when you bring this shit into it about oh he doesn't. He can't speak Spanish. He doesn't relate – and all this coded stuff, right? He doesn't relate to his teammates. He's never been settled in Madrid. It's such bullshit. I can't fucking deal with it. It's such nonsense.
0: The man owns a house. He said repeatedly how much he loves living in Spain. These people are such fucking dopes. Like they just do this to create a false fucking nonsensical narrative about how Real Madrid – like basically what they saw – is that Barcelona side that basically fucking fielded 10 Spanish people and Sem- and, and Samuel Eto'o. They think of Lionel Messi as Spanish, to be clear. They they, 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 they... they And that was the spine of the Spanish national team and they were so fucking upset about that that they all have, have, since that point, have tried to fucking recreate that at Real Madrid and now Real Madrid is finally beginning to, like, invest in this young Spanish talent and these people are just fucking having this absolute conniption over the fact that there are people who are admittedly better and admittedly have more experience starting ahead of some of these guys look I love Asensio I love to have him start there are a lot of games and he will start a lot of games
1: what Madrid have what 50 caps this year probably like
0: there's going to be minutes there are a lot of minutes um and I also say this in that match the person that you should be pointing at is not Gareth Bale Gareth Bale spent a lot of that match running up and down the pitch. He put in like five or six perfect crosses, but the problem is that Kareem Benzema just fucking flubbed it, man. He had a terrible game. He blasted the ball off the post. It was a little unlucky, but the dude just couldn't finish. And you know what? If you're a winger and your entire shtick is making goals for other people— and the guy isn't making – like, Bale put in two crosses that put Kareem Benzema either one-on-one or if he just taken it at first time and put it on goal, uh, on net, it would have been a goal. And he missed him. And yeah. if, if he scores those two goals, we're talking about a game where Gareth Bale provided two fucking assists and Benzema scored two goals. I, just, which, I which will happen a lot more often than it won't happen,
1: right? We're talking about one match over a season. Exactly.
0: And um, the, the interesting thing, Evan, is that the commenters on managing Madrid actually weren't talking about Bale. So really, and generally, I think that the general Real Madrid fan base, we're not talking about Bale. They're talking about Benzema, and they're talking about how Benzema has these games occasionally. He has these absolute fucking flubs where he costs us points, and he does. Benzema does occasionally cost the team points. I think he brings more points to the table than he costs the team by quite a bit, But people, and, and people can make debates about it. But the problem is the Spanish press has decided to focus on Bale. It's unbelievable.
1: Yep. Bale had very little but to do if, with, with the lock, like with that with the draw. If if Gareth Bale leaves Madrid, Madrid is gonna regret it because he's gonna go somewhere like United or, or, or God knows where, right? It doesn't really matter. Doesn't he's matter, gonna go to a, a European competitor, and Madrid's gonna see him again in Champions League play, and he's gonna make that team harder to beat. Um, he's a lot better off on that Madrid side than for Madrid than he is going off to play for a competitor.
0: He brings so much to the table too. I mean like what these people never talk about is how much Gareth Bale brings to the side defensively. He runs his fucking ass off. And he defends. He defends at a level that Asensio doesn't even touch. Gareth drops back into passing lanes and steals the ball. He also yep. drops – and, and I am comfortable and a lot of – and it's clear Zidane is comfortable playing Gareth Bale all as far back as left back when he, Marcelo I mean, he, rushes he up.
1: To, he used to be a left back. So he gives you that – like he came up as a left back. Yeah. And he left back at Spurs and so he brings that flexibility and, and he's an athletic freak that – that I don't even know that Asensio, uh, like you said, kind of comes close. Like Asensio is great. He does all kinds of things well, and we can talk all day about Asensio. Um, But Gareth Bale brings that athleticism to the game, the pace and the strength to move seamlessly between wingback and winger. Um, And, 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 and yeah, the fact that people can't see it, it, it's really insane. So uh, speaking of Asensio,
0: the dude is absolutely the second coming for Madrid. He is brilliant. He is absolutely everything that was advertised last season. You know, he was if he broke out last season, he is becoming what we all thought he could become, which is that absolute superstar. Asensio is you know, put the team on his back, scored both goals against Valencia. He is an absolute superstar. Uh and Madrid I mean, it's a signing of the debt of the century so far from Madrid, grabbing him for 4 million euros from Mallorca. Like <laughs> this is, this is, you know, this is the best deal I've ever seen for, for Madrid, I think.
1: Well, I mean, it's really weird that you should talk about how good Asensio is. And we talk about how bail is. Cause I actually heard that Madrid is bad. Um, mm, and yes. That's an important that point. That, that they're in crisis mode. Um, yeah. And that, they're they're in trouble of losing the league. Yeah, um, uh, no, the league's you- are already over. Um, and, and so it's 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 pretty weird that they could have such good players um, and be so completely screwed.
0: Yeah, it's funny. After it was uh, the classic shit that Madrid fans do after any dropping of points. Is to basically say the whole thing's coming down to tear down the team. So you see Madrid draw 2-2 against a very strong Valencia side that was well coached and really stuck in. And let's also be clear, my man, Madrid was extremely unlucky to draw this match. In minute 87, Benzema hit the post, hit the post on a perfectly good cross from like it just (laughs) he missed a sitter in minute eighty. Like, this is the kind of match where, like, okay. You're not going to lose it. Like, if, if this exact match with these exact chances happened nine out of ten times, I think Madrid wins this match. But whatever. So suddenly Madrid is in crisis. Despite the fact that Madrid wasn't playing without any of their top three center backs, Ramos, Baran, Vallejo were all injured, which means it was Nacho and Casemiro uh, playing as center backs, which
1: is crazy. Uh, yeah. Additionally, Cristiano Ronaldo wasn't on the pitch, like the goal scorer. I uh, know, it's, it's so. It, I mean, it's like, so ridiculous right that the the, the it's, it's it's as ridiculous on the panic side as all the united slurping is on the uh on the the i don't yeah. know the positive side like it's just overreaction it's crazy you and i talk all the time about how ridiculously stacked the, this Madrid team is—it's an embarrassment of riches now and for the future. Um, and well, down. like, we need to call down. About I mean, Barcelona wishes they had the roster that Real Madrid has. Well,
0: speaking of Barcelona, Evan, the other big news out of La Liga this week is that Barcelona have added to their striking core. They have replaced Neymar with Usman Dembélé, who is. Actually, a really, really good player, and Barcelona are lucky to get him. They dropped 150 million euros for him, making wow. him the second most expensive player ever, um, by quite a bit. He that is 150 million is 50 million more than Gareth Bale. So, uh, you know, but they had to get their guy, and they got their guy. Um, I think the only thing I have to say is this: it's a great addition for Barcelona. He is really good. He's really young. It's a great piece now and for the future. Uh, He's obviously not as good as Neymar, so they're not better, but they're better than they were without him. Uh, And I'll add this. (laughs) The Catalan Press has now decided, instead of the MSN, Messi, Suarez, Neymar, that now Barcelona's attacking trident is
1: the LOL. It's just too good. It's too 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 funny. I just... (laughs) It's
0: amazing. <laughs> so it's Luis Suarez, Usman Dembele, and Lionel Messi. L O L. Look, it's it, it's a great stri- attacking trident. But holy shit, is that funny? It's
1: just, it is, it is, it's amazing. You, like who? What? What slogan <laughs> or abbreviation lost? Like what? What? Yeah. What did they pick? What did they pick? over that, well, right? What, what, what didn't they pick? There's got to
0: be like a drawing board and like, here are the different ways that we can abbreviate okay. this shit. Ah, we're going with, we're not going to go with that shit. We're going to go with LOL. <laughs> That's the one we want because we, we're a fucking
1: joke. Uh, um,
0: it's just well, I guess really we should talk about,
1: the, talk about probably the other big purchase that happened uh, uh, this week, the yeah. Mbop. Purchase yeah. Mbappe to PSG on a loan deal. Um,
0: yeah, I mean, look, I uh, Evan. So, just some backstory. I uh, and Kian and I at the Manage Madrid podcast. We actually did a whole story when we were and um, we falsely and incorrectly reported that Mbappe had uh, Monaco and Madrid had agreed to terms from Mbappe. And while well, I, ag- I actually think that they had agreed for terms. I think what ended up happening was that PSG came in and offered. Uh, uh, Kilian, a salary of something like almost uh, 20 million euros a year, yeah. which is yeah. you know, it's just something that Madrid was not prepared to do. I mean, that's the salary that um, Cristiano Ronaldo makes. So, like, one of yeah. the ways that Madrid has kept salary, like, kept costs down is they're very rigid salary structure, so they're not willing to commit long term that kind of money to players. Almost any player. So like this, it's just so Madrid basically came and said, "Here, we'll give you like a 10 million euro salary." Uh, and Kylian said basically, "Well, PSG is giving me this." And apparently, what happened was that Florentino Paris was like, "All right, man, enjoy your time
1: in Paris." They just fucked yeah. off. Well, I, and look, I mean, I can understand. Money could be important. I, I mean, I understand that that Mbappe is from the Paris suburbs originally, um, and you know, given the signings Paris have made, I think you could sell something that maybe we could call the Paris project, right? They, I could see a pitch where they're talking about how they're building something in Paris with totally. Neymar um, and, and Cavani and and and, and you know, that that could be a pretty scary side coming up in a few years um, if Mbappe is any good, which. I'm not – I'm not personally sold Mbappe is actually very – not, not that he's not good, um, just that he might not be worth 140 or 150 million euros, right? He's 18 years old and he had 20-something goals against League Right? right? It uh, remains to be seen if that's going to translate to consistent high performance in, in the Champions League, which now he's at PSG. That's all that's going to matter.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting because for me – the issue here was never about whether fucking Mbappe was worth the transfer uh the salary or the um the actual transfer cost because I think the market is fucking insane and you know it just it is what it is in terms of that shit like is Neymar even worth 200 I, I don't know but for me I'm just not sure that Mbappe is worth 20 million over 5 years a year yeah. you know like I just that is much less clear to me like is when you can get like Uh, Not an equivalent, but like a very similar level. Like I don't. I bet even Cavani doesn't make that kind of money. You know what I'm saying? So like the question really at that point is from Madrid and for a lot of other teams. Like is the salary question? Are all the salaries going to spike given the way that the transfer market is? I think you know that has progressed, and I think that that's actually a much more complicated question because. I actually think that if the salaries start to spike, you're going to see some real problems for some of these teams that actually are a little bit more dependent on uh, certain types of revenue. So it's interesting, right? Because as uh, the, you know, when you see these huge you know sums of money being forked over, a lot of Teams will amortize that Paid over a series of years Well If on top of that You have to pay Fucking 20 million 20 million 20 million On top of the amortized cost These people are suddenly Starting to cost More like Four Five hundred million euros Like that's really what, by himself, what PSG is going to have to pay Neymar when you take into account yeah. everything, including the fact that I bet, you know, my understanding is that his father was also given a salary and like a hundred million dollar
1: bonus. So like, and they're paying Neymar his salary after tax, which means they're paying right. 30 million in taxes right. for him. Right. Exactly. So like, I just, it, <laughs> it's quite intense. Um, anyway. And I actually think, I think you're right that we could see like if this transfer bubble, keeps going yeah. that we're going to start seeing some real financial problems for some teams like some some sides have billionaire backers and, and, and yeah. all kinds of other sources of revenue and they're going to be fine but like how's Everton going to keep sustaining this kind of spending and salaries like where are some of these mid-table kind of just on the periphery of mid-table teams going to uh, going to keep up with this I'm not yeah. sure
0: and the fucking financial fair play is obviously a fucking joke and, and, and totally fake so you know I, and I don't have any faith in fucking FIFA to deal with this. So it'll be interesting to see the way this progresses. I don't I don't have. And as with most things, uh, and anyone who's you know listened to my shit for long enough knows, as with most things when it comes to fucking FIFA and fucking WAFA and all this shit, I do not have a positive outlook long term on this. I don't see any way that any of these pieces of shit in these corrupt as fuck governing bodies are going to make anything better if anything any everything that they can do in any world that I can imagine will only make it worse so I, I mean the best thing FIFA can do is fuck off and not do anything, and we'll have to figure out the way this works without their intervention at all um, okay let's I mean look obviously and that means that there's <laughs> the, that, 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 that means that the French League has become a one team league uh, and it is essentially no longer worth watching uh, I- if, if it was. If if it ever was. Uh, so uh, I don't see any huge news coming out of Germany or Italy. So I think it's time to move on to our MLS game of the week, my dude. So tell me, tell me why
1: and tell everyone, Evan, why we should give a shit about this game. So uh, this was uh, Seattle Sounders and Portland Timbers. Um, so we picked this game because uh, this is like – one of the biggest fixtures on the American calendar Portland and Seattle are two cities that have really embraced soccer um, they're places they're developing a kind of unique uh, you know American football fan experience where they're white people uh, white people <laughs> sure but 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 I'm not sure that's true I think that they're you know <laughs> what, what, what's cool about about the developing culture is that it integrates a lot of, of fan you know, routines and, and um, traditions from the European, you know, fan culture, but also Latin American fan culture. And it's kind of fusing them together. Um, and so this fixture is always very exciting. They're, they're uh, both they, they both are in, quote, Cascadia, which I guess is a term that people actually use. Um, So I read both of these guys read blogs on both these teams, and both of them talked about being fellow rivals from Cascadia, <laughs> which I guess is Vancouver to Portland. Jesus. So, Christ so Christ. there you go. So they're local rival rivals. It's it's the Cascadia Derby, Dar- I guess. God damn um, it. And uh, but it, but it's it's supposed to be an exciting fixture. These are two teams that are really into uh, MLS, and so we thought it'd be a good place to start our kind of introduction to uh, to MLS. Uh, and you know what, Evan? It was
0: day. it was a good place to start. I'm so here's what I'm not gonna do. I'm not gonna give a diatribe about how oh my god, like condescending bullshit about how I was so impressed to see Americans actually giving a shit about soccer, which. I I thought one of the ways I could have begun this shit is being like, wow, it's so cool to see, like, American fans, like, in the stands, like, really excited about the Fuck that. We're, We're like, like five years past that now. We're way past that. Like, we've seen Americans give shits about soccer. You know, we've seen us in the World Cup, but not just that. Now people give a shit about the MLS. They've given a shit about the MLS for a long time. Like, the MLS – is a thing now. So fucking I keep saying the MLS, man. I gotta fucking stop with that shit. It's terrible. I they're gonna fucking flame me for this shit. <laughs> it's MLS. People give a I'm shit a about MLS. Alright? And so with that in mind, we're gonna treat MLS like a league that deserves to be fucking treated with respect because it is. Uh, and with that in mind, I gotta alright, let's let's just let's break some of this game down. Um just kind of original impressions that I have written down here. Uh, this game was slower than I expected, Evan. Yeah. Is that like, is I mean, you I watch a lot more MLS than I do, but it felt like it wasn't just that the passes weren't, Cr- as crisp as I expected. It just felt like the ball was moving slower. Like, so, the, like that either they weren't hitting it with as much force or that literally whatever fucking field they were playing on didn't move the ball very fast. Like that the, 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 there was some sort of friction.
1: So, you, so I don't know what you know, like. I don't know about any of that. Like what, whether there was something keeping the ball slower. I do know that both of these teams tend to, especially the Sounders tend to play very fast Um, And that this was – this was a weird game in that both teams were trying to get in behind and counterattack. They were trying to play fast, but they weren't playing fast. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think part of it is in the second half, Portland was just playing for the point and – was really just kind of yeah. absorbing pressure from Seattle, and that slowed things down. Um, and uh, part of it might have just been a kind of a weird off night where Seattle, you know, just wasn't as sharp as they usually should have been. Um, but I agree with you that the, the these these teams are have a reputation of being um being pretty sharp and pretty quick, and they weren't necessarily in this game,
0: yeah and and so Seattle, let's just for context for our European fan listeners. Seattle is the hottest team in m l s. They've won or drawn almost all their games, I think eleven going into this match. Yeah. Uh, they are you know very good. You know they are one point, I think, behind Portland and whatever in their conference. I'm really trying here, guys. <laughs> you doing, good. You're doing I'm, good? I'm doing my best. Like and because I did my research, I have this shit written down. Uh, so they're one point behind Portland, and you got the feeling that this is the kind of game that Seattle really would have liked to win. They're hosting their domestic or their 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 I want to call them their eternal rival. Like this is their big rivalry match. So they're hosting the, the Cascadia Derby. Yeah, I'm not gonna fucking say that though. <laughs> I know. I just I won't. I'm not there yet, so I'm not gonna say that. Um, I also won't say the California Clasico. I heard that that's a thing that people oh, said. Yeah. I won't yeah. say that. Um, and uh, I I won't. I don't know what, what people use to refer to the energy drink versus Manchester City B team match I, in New York, think but it's just the New York Derby. Um, But this match, you know, you got the sense that Seattle wanted it um, and that it would have been nice for Seattle to have. Here's what I'll say. Seattle scored one of the nastiest looking goals I've ever fucking seen in my life to open the scoring (laughs) in this match. Uh, It was absolutely fucking
1: Bush League Segunda División B shit. There had to be four missed clearances before that goal. Someone fucking launched
0: the ball into the area. The ball bounced around. People took swings at it. The ball bounced around some more until finally whatever striker just was there and just was like, yeah, fine, and toe-poked yeah, Raul- it in.
1: Yeah, Raldon got the bolt the, uh,
0: the, the there. It was a disgusting-looking goal and not the kind of shit that I wanted to start my MLS-watching career-watching. Look,
1: look, So I agree and you and I have talked about MLS before and I I kind of have this distinction between times where MLS is bad but in a good way and times when MLS is bad but in a bad way. So there are times when the defenders can't track runners and you get this – you get over-the-top goals and they're exciting and they're kind of sexy and they wouldn't happen if defenders were good. Um, but they happen, and they 're exciting, and then there are times where the defenders are bad during a scrum like this, and everyone 's just swinging their foot at the ball, and nobody can just clear the damn thing, and then a stupid, ugly goal happens and that 's exactly what happened here. This was bad, bad, and this you don't this was not exciting
0: Yeah, it was absolutely fucking not exciting uh, but you know look. Uh, that's OK. I mean, this was uh, the interesting thing was that there were quality players on the pitch, that there were moments when these teams were combining and defending really well. I thought that Portland, especially in the second half, showed off a a, a pretty solid like defend and counter mindset. Uh, and uh, Seattle was actually lucky not to lose that game very late on. Um, yeah. Also, when, when there were a couple of uh, opportunities where their defense just broke down. So it wasn't an unexciting game. And one of the things that I'll also add is that the, the, you know, you could, the, the, the excitement of the fans and the commentators was palpable. And what I mean, that's, that's actually a big deal for me because I normally fucking detest American commentators like I, I really 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 don't like listening to Americans commentate soccer games I'll, I'll
1: talk about you Alexi Lawless that's that's you
0: I'm not talking about I listen I'm not even going to get into my feud with Alexi Lawless <laughs> uh, <laughs> but in this match and maybe this is just going to be the way it works with MLS going forward I actually thought that the the commentators brought the right amount of energy. Like they didn't try to overdo it. Like the like sometimes we get American commentators, and I'm just I know this is like huge, huge over simplifications. But sometimes we get American commentators that are trying to be Mexican commentators, where they bring okay. a huge amount of energy and just fucking yell and blah 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 and like.
1: That's not what we want, Gabe, Gabe. Just wait until you watch an MLS game that's nationally televised on uh, Univision Deportes, uh, because uh, that's exactly what you're going to get. Is you're going to get an English language commentator that thinks they're a, a Mexican commentator, and it it is it is terrible. Is unwatchable. It is so bad. Is you're awesome. gonna you're gonna see it eventually because eventually we're gonna pick a game of the week that yeah. is that is uh, on a Spanish speaking channel because they they, they yeah. play. They play one national game a week on a Spanish-speaking channel.
0: I mean, look, and that's that's. I wanted to add that that's something I'm really excited about with MLS. Like, I think that MLS really should lean in to the people in this country that really have always loved this sport, which are the Latinos, like the people that have always loved soccer, the people that I grew up watching soccer with are the people who, you know, have immigrated here from, you know, they're Americans, like let's be clear, these people are all Americans but whose parents and, and, and not descend from Latin, Latin American countries, uh, and I grew up playing and watching soccer with them, and I love that, that some of MLS seems to be leaning in to this demographic, I thought, I, so I looked around a little bit, I think particularly there's some of the teams in the South uh, Evan, yeah. in, in, in Texas especially, Houston I think especially more than any of the other ones but a lot of teams have kind of leaned into their Latino base and made and their
1: yeah, go The ahead. LA Galaxy too, like the LA Galaxy mm. a, ton their, a ton of their fan base is Latino um, like Latinos are the ones who we, we have to thank for this league because for all that, those decade or decade and a half after 94 when no one was watching this it was Latinos who were keeping this league going Right uh, before white people decided that soccer was hip and cool after the 2010 World Cup and started to go to game, go to the yeah, game. Yeah, I mean, is
0: that when That's I'm interested game. in the the history uh, of MLS and when it began to be a hipster thing? Because I know it did, and it's funny because the first fucking game we're talking about on our show is the fucking most hipster ass game that could be, which is fucking white ass Seattle versus hipster ass Portland, and beard like fucking you know fucking lumberjack ass the the fucking timbers are literally their mascot as a white dude with a beard and a lumberjack shirt who fucking like chainsaws a a fucking (laughs) thing
1: (laughs) when he scores (laughs) like it's the fucking whitest thing i've ever seen it's so white it but it so it's kind of all amazing i love it um but but you're right it is a very different thing from what MLS was and what it still is in different cities. And I, I think that's kind of great, right? I think that it's yeah, perfect for MLS to have different fan segments. But I agree with you, like MLS should. And I think that they are. They are. Oh, how it seems like it. This, of this portion of their fan base that is making them money. Um, and that's important.
0: Yeah, no, I totally agree. I mean, I'm, I'm look, I'm, I'm, I'm all in. I, I think it's going to be great. I just think that – so it's interesting, right, because my team – DC United. So DC is a very black city, right? Like DC, the DC that I know is a DC that's very split and very, you know, one where there's like kind of an entrenched, you know, political, not even political, but just an entrenched class of people that work with or around the government. And then there's a longer established black culture in and around DC that is wonderful and like that surrounding, like, for example, Howard. Uh, University, which is uh, one of the nation's oldest and best uh, historically black colleges. And I'm interested to go to a D.C. United game to see if D.C. United has actually pierced into the D.C. You know, the culture that the D.C. black community, because like D.C. itself is again, D.C. is a city that actually (laughs) in its total population is much higher percentage African-American than any other race. Uh, including Latinos, or even though there are D.C. Latinos, right? So, like, I'm interested. My guess, though, Evan, and I'm just going to say it, my guess is that when I go to that D.C. United
1: game, that's going to be a white-ass stadium. So, so, Gabe, I actually did go to a D.C. United game you did. a couple months ago. Um, I think it was, like, 2014, I think. My, my wonderful wife got me tickets uh, for my birthday that year. It's actually the first professional soccer game I ever went to, um, was a, a DC night game right before you and I went and saw Real Madrid win a very important trophy, big trophy at the, at the ICC, very big silver, big win. deal, guys. Uh, let, let me tell you about the DC night game I went to. First off, it was an RFK Stadium, which is just a dump. Like that it place, be torn down. It is it being is. torn down, though. I think I, it is because they're building a new stadium. Uh, they're building a stadium in Southwest, actually. I think, which is pretty interesting. Which is a, a very black part of the city. Um, but anyway, my experience was it was a very Latino crowd. Interesting. It, at the stadium, um, it was there were definitely white people too. It was a very Latino crowd. That makes so. sense.
0: I mean, it does make sense. But I, I it's funny because I really true. did think it would be white people. But I
1: guess like my voices were Modelo and Corona. Interesting. Not not even kidding. Those it feels
0: the, so. It, it's funny because my guess was that it was going to be white, but I guess that the portion of DC res like permanent DC residents, not fucking transient, fucking like. You know, interns on the hill that the the permanent D.C. residents that are really into soccer, I guess, are the Latinos. And there are and it's an under under like, you know, not really a a highly talked about demographic group in D.C., but Latinos do make up you a chunk of D.C. So I guess I guess that's what that's fascinating. That's cool. Um, I, I, am interested to see though, because I think that one thing that hasn't happened is that, that soccer hasn't pierced into the African American community as much as maybe the United States needs it to, to really develop the next generation of American talent. Yeah. Um, because like we need, if we're going to, so if you, and this is just a fucking huge goddamn tangent guys. So that's just the way it goes with me and Evan when we fucking talk. So this is what this show is. Um. If Madrid, if, if the United States is going to develop a really world class team and league generally, but like a team specifically, not like a club team, but a team specifically, they're going to need. We are going to need to have penetration into the black community as well as the Latino and as well as the white community, and we're going to need to lower the barriers of entry into soccer uh, as kids. So one of the problems with American soccer right now, and I'm just gonna fucking, I can't. I should, I need to shut the fuck up about this stuff. One of the problems with the United States of American soccer right now is that it costs a lot of money to play soccer as a kid. That is dumb. <laughs> like, it's yeah. fucking dumb. It's dumb because in other countries around the world, it doesn't cost that much money. Like, it, yeah. it just doesn't. But in this I mean, that's country... Why,
1: that's why it's so popular everywhere, right? Is because it should be very cheap because all it takes is a ball and a field and a couple something to mark a goal. And that's all you need to play soccer. Um, and, uh, no, I mean, I a hundred percent agree with you. Um, you know, soccer has been kind of the white person sport alongside being, you know, Hispanics play, you know, pick up soccer, white people play expensive rec soccer and black people don't play soccer. That's the stereotype for, you know, when we were growing up and, and, you know, that needs to change for the league to continue to, to and, and the U.S. national team, everything to continue, to, continue right. to develop, right? It's getting more talent into the pipeline. That's what's important.
0: And when, one of these bad take articles that we're going to read, uh, we're not, and we're going to read it on the future show because I'm not going to read it today, but one of the bad take articles talks a lot about soccer moms. And one of the reasons that these fucking, you know, all right, I'm not going to do politics, but one of these fucking these white women talking about soccer, complaining about soccer, talk about soccer moms is because you need people in vans to fucking drive your kids in their little fucking like $200 outfits to go play soccer places. That's so dumb. It's so yeah. dumb that that's a that's a thing. Like we we have to lower the barriers to entry for this sport because everywhere else the barriers to entry are lower than it is here. But here Yo, know, you have to fucking try out for a team. Fair enough. You try out for a team. But when you make the team, if you don't have the money to pay for a jersey, you can't play. Yeah. It's so stupid. It's yeah, dumb.
1: Pay for the travel team and everything else.
0: Right. And the, high, the higher level you go in this, the more money you have to pay. I played on an Olympic development soccer team. I played at the higher levels of these youth leagues. I was traveling around the Midwest and we had to pay so much money so much money to buy our stupid cleats, to buy everything. And so, yeah, I got to keep all this stupid gear, but I didn't, like, what's the point if you're a poor family to buy? And, yo, know, you can, like, get people yeah. to fund it, but, like, not really. Anyway, so let's, um, let's find let's Let's finish up about this game, yeah. Evan, because yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> we're, we went off the rails. Who was your man of the match, Gabe? Who you got? You know... That's a good question. I, this is actually not something I wrote down in my notes. I was impressed um, by the entire Portland defense. And so I don't know really which one of them I want to pick out. I also, so here's the interesting thing. I thought that the Seattle player who got sent off, what's his name? Ness something. Something like that, yeah. He, I actually thought he had a really good game. Um, so I was very impressed by him uh, until the sending off. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think that if it were up to me, I, I would – I really like the Portland defense, uh, and I like that guy in Seattle.
1: Um, so, so I'm going a similar direction actually because my, my man in the match um, is actually uh, the Portland's goalkeeper. Uh, so Ant- Antonella, Jeff mm-hmm. Antonella. <laughs> Jeff Attinella, I guess his name is. Um, it turns out he's their backup keeper, Interesting. Um, their, their second choice keeper. But there's some controversy about whether or not he should be the first choice keeper. And from what I saw, okay, he he had a couple flubs, he made a couple mistakes, but there were a couple times that Dempsey and Jordan Morris on Seattle were through the defense one on one with him, um, and he made good stops and saved the match for them. So yeah, I, I think that he's credited with saving that point. Um and so yeah, he's my he's my nice. man of the match.
0: That's a good choice. He he, he actually he, was extremely good. And like you said, he saved the fucking penalty. So that's a big deal. Uh, and you know, Seattle really was breathing down Portland's neck for a lot of that match. Um I liked Port the way Portland defended as a unit, but he yeah. he really was I mean, like when you defend well as a unit, your keeper is really a big part of that. Like he's directing traffic in a lot of ways. So um I I I really like that. So okay, uh, we're gonna do our shitty take readings, uh, and we have a lot. I Think this is my like my favorite thing. I've been planning for this all week. Before we do that, Evan, we have a question. Actually, that we got.
1: Oh, We have a question. Um, yeah, Jesus. Um,
0: yeah. So I <laughs> I didn't expect anyone to hit me up on this, but we have a question. Um, I think people think this is gonna be a Real Madrid show. So it's not. But because. Well, this question is kind of large enough, and we, we discussed it a little bit. I think it's worth mentioning. A la Real Madrid at Goulet Dismail 4 asks us, Do you think Bale will be back to his best? He has not looked the same since he came back from his injury. Sorry for my bad English. Dude, your English is fine, actually. Yeah, that was good. Um, and, yeah, I think it's a good point, Evan, that Bale has looked a little bit off his steps since he came back from his injury. But I think that you're not giving him enough love. I actually do think that he's getting there. It's like he's working his way in. Like, we haven't seen him uncork any of his, like, trademark screamers yet. But I think we're getting there. And you just got to be a little patient with him. Gabe, can you remind me, what was his injury again?
1: Bale's had a series of na- nagging, like, calf and hamstring yeah, issues. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, like, I guess my answer to the question is like, maybe, um, like, could it be that him being a player dependent to some extent on pace and athleticism has just lost a half step and is never going to be quite as good as he was when he was 24 25. It's entirely possible. The man's what, 28, 29 now, something like that. Um, maybe he's not that old, but he's older. Like, it's possible that he's never as good again. I think he probably will be. Um, you know, match fitness takes a little while to get back. And so, you know, I, I guess it's, it's a wait-and-see type of thing. I, w- I would say that even if he's not quite as tip-top as he's been before, he'll still be one of the best players in the world.
0: I agree. All right, so let's jump into our shitty take theater. Um, actually, even before uh, we do our readings, Evan – I actually yeah. got a – so I know that, that that this is this is going to be more and more frequent, I think. But we have – someone has nominated a shit take. Oh, well, this is amazing. Yeah. I, we didn't even plan for this, but this yeah. is great. So here's the shit take. Uh, so Jose Villacris is a good friend of managing Madrid and whatnot. Um, he has a, he points me to this tweet by a man called Omar underscore CR7 who says – Nothing to say anymore. I hope Benzema gets a permanent en- injury, which ends his career as soon as possible. Oh, come on. That is a, f- a fucking terrible take. God. I mean, look, it's it's not even a take. It's just a dumb, bad... A mean
1: thing to say. Dumb and, and wrong opinion. Yeah, no, I mean, it's... Look, it, it don't wish harm on people. Like, that's beyond bad... Like, bad takes are funny. This is just yeah that's douchey and bad yeah feel bad about yourself you suck
0: omar underscore cr7 but good nomination good yeah that's really good now it's exactly 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 the kind of shit we're talking about here so all right evan i'm gonna let you go first because what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna read like a classic bad take so why don't
1: you go ahead and jump in with this shit yeah, all right. So my bad take of the week, my inaugural bad take. Um, this is from the Guardian mm-hmm. uh, by by a man named Barry Glenn Denning. Um, okay. So Barry, very Englishman, very English. Um, <laughs> headline: Pep Guardiola's circular dressing room offers one way to split up team clicks. Jesus, and, uh, so, I can't, so this, hang on, hang. I just thought right there. This this apparently, Pep Guardiola rebuilt. Uh, the dressing room to be a circle, and let me just read you a passage from this, um, which just drives home how pathetically just just awful take this is <clears throat> God. much like the knights who convened around the famous table of Arthurian legend oh God damn it <laughs> all men who sit in guardiola's similarly shaped sanctuary enjoy equal status oh
0: shut up shut
1: is understood to have encouraged the design as a way of discouraging the most pernicious and malign of influences on team morale the dressing room click Jesus oh god well, oh, it it, it's bad in every way it's over dramatic it's slurping pep who is great but let's all calm down it goes on to talk about how the England team won't be good until it adopts the same kind of oh, there you go. Hey, that's what it pep. is
0: that's fi- they figured it out that there no you know what fair enough you know, until
1: the English team adopts a fucking circular dressing, they're not going to win. That's it. Not even kidding. It goes on to talk about how someone saw some English national team players eating at circle tables. Oh.
0: Seriously? No, no, I'm not I'm, <laughs> that's, I, kidding. kidding. That's not it true. Actually,
1: it, No, no, no I'm, true. I'm, I'm not kidding. It's true.
0: That they ate at circular tables or that that fucking article talked about it?
1: <laughs> Hold on, I'll read. In photos published by several newspapers, either through accident or design, the boys in question happened to be dining at a couple an of. Accident!
0: Ra- it's an accident! No, it's an <laughs> accident! Okay, it's a good God!
1: Ah, oh, so People there you go. There, eat go. there at you
0: circular have circular tables. Oh, you sack of shit! God damn it! That's terrible!
1: That's terrible! <laughs> oh. Oh, so that, that's, that's that's my bad take of the week. Dude, and I can think, you imagine sitting
0: down to fucking getting paid six figures to write about soccer and then that – that is your fucking article for this
1: week? Nah, yeah, look, Barry, Barry is a great scam. It's a great scam, Barry.
0: I just like sat down like fucking like – I don't know, man. Like fucking smoked a bunch of PCP and he was like, you know what? <laughs> I just watched fucking like – you know, fucking Arthurian – Arthur by mean, fucking Guy Ritchie. That, that really bad Arthur movie that came out this year. That's what it's like. I get fucking guy fucking smoke some crack, watch that movie and then wrote a whole thing about Manchester city. Just like fucking like Pep Guardiola is fucking I mean, like Manchester city. Fucking like, let's take apart my computer and put it back together. <laughs> oh my God. All right. That oh man. Fucking he got terrible. Gabe, I think you got a classic for us though. Some I do. really I do. classic I do. stuff. <laughs> Okay. So I wanted to uh so this is a classic of the genre. Um it's not the classic of the genre because I'm going to read that next week. So I'm I'm going to go kind of classic for the first, you know, few episodes because I want to introduce people who don't understand how amazing this genre is in the United States. But this is the genre of Either Americans writing about how soccer is stupid, which is a classic, and that's what we're going to get today, or Americans writing about how you can fix soccer to make it better and more American, which is the... That's where we got the title of our show. All right. So this this article is a classic of the genre. This is the Soccer is Un-American article. Right. This is the, this is the genre, and it's amazing. So I'm gonna just fucking read all of it because it's it's top to bottom really good. It's it's just really good. It's not that long. It's by a man called Nicholas Pell on the um, world renowned website called
1: Thought Catalog.
0: <laughs> it's not. They have a, a couple Pulitzers,
1: right? What'd you say? They have a couple Pulitzers. I think. Oh yeah, no
0: doubt, no doubt. I mean, their their expose about the brutal torture and. Fucking you know, Uganda after the war is just Something. incredible. Thought catalog. Um. All right, Nicholas Pell writes, "Soccer stinks, and is un-American." All right, ready? Like every other American, I couldn't possibly care less
1: about soccer. All of them. Every American.
0: I'm really glad that he, like, he, he launches into this article, like, fucking running. I couldn't care less about soccer, which is why I'm sitting down to write a fucking article about it. Like, what? Like, if you don't care, don't fucking talk about it. It's unbelievable. Like, all right. So like every other American, I couldn't possibly care less about soccer. The current, quote, World Cup fever, unquote, has nothing to do with national pride, which I'm sure this man is really into, and even less to do with an interest in soccer. Wait, I don't understand how it has less to do with the interest in soccer than national pride. What, whatever. I mean, it's f- one of two, right? It's, it's one of those two things, It's got to be one. No, it's not because he's about to explain to us that. He's going to tell us. Okay, good. Right, exactly. The folks currently feigning interest, all right, feigning interest in, quote, the beautiful game, the beautiful sport. Wait a minute. He didn't even say the beautiful game. <laughs> the beautiful sport? That's amazing. The beautiful sport? Good God. Oh, oh, my God. It's such bad writing. Oh, the folks currently feigning interest in, quote, the beautiful sport, unquote, are the same ones threatened by American anything, which he fucking puts in all caps. Anything. American anything. From GMC pickups to bazookas. Sure. I think bazooka is meant to be threatening. I think yeah, that that's, saying, that's it is threatening. Bazookas are threatening. Come on, man. Sure. Lots of American kids play soccer. Let's be clear, though. And he does a, mostly kids whose moms want them playing a sport where a skinned knee or a twisted ankle is the worst possible injury. Definitely. Like oof. He really burned us, man. All those moms who don't want their kids to have fucking chronic traumatic encephalopathy later in their lives. Like fucking like, bam, he got us. All right. So he says no one likes watching it, though. Just like no one wants to watch a chess match. Why? Because soccer is about as fun as a trip to traffic court. Although you might know how it works, this provides you with no greater insight into the alleged sport. Alleged sport. Just like the guy who was attacking the podcast called
1: us a so-called podcast so-called writer makes a very good point.
0: <laughs> the alleged sport Then knowing how to move chessmen means you can play the only game that matters. So why is the... Oh, my God. This is incredible, Evan. All right. <sighs> incredible sentence. So why is the Priya pretending to care?
1: It's incredible. It's an incredible... If you just break down that fucking sentence... God. It's just so he's – it's just so smug about how smug he thinks other people yeah, are. Yeah. What is in me – that's exactly, exactly right, right? Like What's going on
0: here is this dude is shitting on people for being smug while being literally – this is literally the smuggest fucking sentence I've ever met in my entire life. Not only are these people too stupid to understand soccer, they're pretending to understand soccer because they think it's cool – By the way, they also own cars just to make you feel like to make themselves feel superior. It's incredible. All right. Ready? Cultural signal. So why is it for pretending to care? Cultural signaling mostly. The nouveau riche will always stick out due to their penchant for dropping cash on gold-plated Humvees upholstered in Louis Vuitton. Similarly, anyone can buy a hybrid SUV and enough organic produce to survive an economic collapse brought on by a massive student debt bubble, but not every... Wow, that's really intense under- like uh, economic analysis, my guy. Uh, econ- uh, economic collapse brought on by a massive student debt bubble, but not everyone can appreciate, or at least convincingly fake appreciation of, the finer things in life, such as fair trade coffee, artisanal toast... And a game where men run up and down a field with no apparent rhyme or reason, frequently resulting in scoreless ties. Here's the thing. The dude is talking about how you can understand the game. He's saying, oh, you anyone can understand this game. And then he says a fucking phrase like... Men run up and down a field with no apparent rhyme or reason. Seems like you don't understand this game. I think, yeah, I think you don't really know what's going on, friend. Yeah, and like, I, think, I think you kind of feel bad about that. Uh, yeah, again, I think that part of the issue here is that this guy thinks that, like, oh, anyone can understand this game except for he doesn't. So, like, his friends might actually like this sport and, like, they're talking, hey, man, this is so cool. Why don't you come watch it with us? And he's just like, I don't get it. I oh, don't get it. And so instead of, like, asking for them to explain, like, anything about this sport, he writes the smuggest article ever about not understanding a sport. It's unbelievable. All right. Next. We're almost done, I promise. But we're getting to the best, literally the best part of this game, or this article, all right? He's about to launch into his historiographic analysis. There's something distinctly European and un-American about soccer, Mm -hmm. Allegedly invented by the English The root game is a lot closer to the time-honored And I just want to underscore the word time-honored Time-honored schoolyard tradition of, quote Smear the queer Oh, good God Than the nonsensical ballet of the World Cup Jesus Yeah other games called "quote football" end quote be they our own besieged national pastime, baseball. <laughs> it's not like, national pastime. Like that is baseball. Like I, I just I can't with this guy. Australian rules Gaelic football or even rugby are a hell of a good time to watch. I okay. Is there any chance this man has ever watched a single fucking second of an Aussie rules
1: Gaelic or rug, like football or fucking rugby match? Well, you know, here's the thing. I have watched Gaelic football, and it is really fun to watch, and there's no chance that this guy has caught him around to seeing it.
0: That's what I'm saying. There's no fucking way. I bet this guy's never watched a fucking second of rugby. No, there's no fucking not. way. I like rugby. It's awesome. But there's no fucking way this guy's watched it. Fuck you. Because they're the very essence of ball sports. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's move. Colon, on. Let's move on a physical. A st- on
1: the first, uh... Hang on. A
0: physical struggle between two groups of men fighting like mad for every inch of territory. Yep. That's what ball sports are. That's ball sports. He didn't mention a
1: ball. It's ball sports colon. And he doesn't say the word ball. Hey, did you know that that, you know, I guess that means what wrestling could be a ball sport? That's literally a
0: physical struggle between men fighting like mad for every inch of territory. That's the definition of wrestling. God damn, go fuck yourself! All right, ready? These games have long horrified the effete who see. So there's also this codified like fucking like anti-gay shit.
1: Oh yeah, there's strong homophobia
0: running. These games have long horrified the effete who see in it bad grammar, everything they despise about American and probably Irish, British, and Australian society. Are you, I, are you fucking shitting me with this shit? Like, football is, above all, a working class sport. Let's be talking about American football. A game yep. where, historically speaking, you weren't going to make
1: a ton of money. No, you're going to make, what, what like $25,000 a year if you're the best quarterback in the league in, like, the 60s.
0: But that was true in soccer too, dude. Like, no, there was always all sports for like that for a long time. This is the stupidest shit. Even today, retired players frequently flock to professions such as car dealership proprietor or real estate investor, professions representing a sort of proletarian aristocracy. I don't think this man has any idea what the words that he is
1: putting together mean. So hold on, I'm confused. Who become the car salesman? The the football players? The football players, players.
0: The American football players. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's true. I don't get the point. It doesn't make any sense. Why do you like this doesn't make any fucking sense? Like it just it's nonsense. This man is speaking a bunch of bullshit. All right. But whereas And please, can we stop pretending that it's called quote football? Soccer is a sport about finesse and cardiovascular conditioning. Let's be clear, as if that's a bad thing. Football is a game about brute force, yes, but also guts. Something that the ama- average American, okay, ready? An um, average American ersatz soccer fan is sincerely lacking. Fuck you. Right? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, he's, ugh, all right. Heresy, blasphemy, Apostasy. These are thoughts which must not, nay, cannot be thunk. Football, so-called, is the beautiful game. At least he says beautiful game now.
1: Yeah, he got it right.
0: He got it right this time. Two tries. It's a good, I mean, like, look, he did do that, so at least we can applaud him for that. The hope of the masses, an elegant, refined, and civilized alternative to the more loudish sports of the American rump proletariat. A fine wine to their swill beer. Does, okay, this do you have any idea how fucking pissed off some fucking like union like th- like fucking union member in fucking Manchester who's a yeah. huge like if God. this guy fucking walked into that dude's bar and started saying this shit to that guy, he's like You get fucking glassed. He's like fucking the guy would just <laughs> fucking glass him right there. He's like fuck you for saying all this shit. This is nonsense. Is this? God, this is it, is it, are we done? Is it over? There's one last paragraph.
1: Right. Oh my God.
0: This, all right, and it's okay. Hang on a thing. It's the best paragraph yet. Ready? All right. Football is a gas guzzling muscle car, a bottle of Miller Lite, a burger and fries chased by a milkshake for dinner, a simple pleasure easily enjoyed by all. It's not simple. Football is a fucking impossible game to understand for anyone who doesn't grow
1: up with it. There are the truly, there are like four rules of soccer. There are like 4,000 rules of football. Ready? Soccer is a hybrid electric vehicle,
0: salad for dessert, post-1950s jazz, modern art, and an esoteric pastime requiring the most utmost attention for the pretense of understanding and enjoyment. It's, God, this is such culture war bullshit. So stupid. It's bitter medicine without a spoonful of sugar. Less of a sport than professional, professional wrestling. Hey! Soccer floats somewhere around synchronized swimming and pole dancing in the pantheon of physical activity. There's so much internalized homophobia here. The viewing of soccer is, for the American, an exercise to be endured, which is probably what makes it so appealing to the 21st century guilt brigade. It's difficult to watch, and the French like it, which means that not only is it, quote, smart, but you also probably get some sort of white guilt absolution for your suffering. An indulgence for each group round endured over a $30 bottle of Pinot Noir. Think of watching World Cup... As a cultural carbon offset, you can only get once every four years. You've volunteered at a magnet school. You've written large checks to PBS. You purchase only the finest in locally brewed organic craft beer. How can you keep up with the Jones Smiths next door? By inviting them over for some grass fed beef tongue tacos and fixing your gaze on men in shorts running around aimlessly for what seems to be an eternity, punctuated by moments that are apparently exciting to people raised in a culture where this is a sport. Nothing will secure your position as a man of taste and refinement faster. Jesus. This. Okay. <laughs> This is the single worst take about soccer I think I've ever read. And that's saying a lot because we're going to read some shit takes over the course of this podcast. But what this does is combine a totally smug feeling of only rich people like soccer, which with a racist and anti and fucking homophobic Attack on the sport and better than any and like more overarching than any of that shit is a fundamental like misunderstanding or inability to understand what is arguably the simplest sport in existence. So you have someone who is making a series of unbelievably stupid arguments, right, about soccer, which is actually a very intense physical game where people die on the pitch, right, with like an absolutely overwhelming inability to understand what is functionally the easiest game to understand in the in the modern sports pantheon. I cannot think of an easier sport to understand than soccer.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, this guy's opinions are bad. He should feel bad. He's probably a bad person, and he needs to go away. So welcome to uh, Let's Fix Soccer, Let's
0: Fix Football, our podcast. Um, this is uh, our first episode. Please let us know what we can do better. Please uh, visit the website. Please follow us on Twitter, Uh and on Facebook, you can get us So on Twitter at uh, twitter.com slash let's fix football, facebook.com slash let's fix football. I'm at Twitter, uh, on Twitter at, at, at L Ezra. Um, Evan is on Twitter at Evan underscore Mateer. Uh, yeah, I mean, we're, we're going to be doing this every Tuesday. Um, let us know what we can do better. Please, uh, if you have any questions, any you know, terrible takes that you see that week. Oh. Please, Please not send it take. to us. We would yeah. love, love, love to read the shitty takes. Seriously. Um, we will, we'll we'll read the best
1: reader take or listener takes. We'll, we'll, we'll read those off.
0: Absolutely. Every show will do that. So uh, you can send and, and if you want to have a, a longer conversation, you can send us an email questions at uh, let's fix dot com. We'll be checking that email also. Uh, yeah, buddy. I'm glad.
1: Uh, I'm glad that we fixed football for this week. That it's good for this week, but you know, friends like uh like the writer right there are waiting out there to uh to break it again. So right. we'll be back next week to fix it again. All right. See you
0: later, everybody.
1: <laughs>